Hi, this is Deborah Trinelli. You may remember me as Bobby Ewing's secretary, Phyllis Wapner on Dallas. You are listening to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. Enjoy the show. Send host Stephen Brittingham your comments and questions to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. Hi, this is Randy Powell. You may remember me as Alan Beam on Dallas. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with host Stephen Burningham. Enjoy the show. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host, actor, and writer Stephen Brittingham. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Thank you for listening. The man behind Southwark Ranch foreman Ray Krebs on one of the most popular primetime television shows of all time, Dallas. Steve Canale is my extra special guest today. Steve joined me on a very sentimental episode back on season one of Hollywood and Beyond. The title of that episode is Steve Canale Returned to Southwark. In addition to his early years as an actor, Steve shared everything from his audition all the way up to the emotional farewell, season 11 of Dallas on CBS. Maybe I'm leaving here at the right time. It'll always be the same in my memory. I'm gonna miss you, Ray. In a lot of ways, I'm closer to you than I ever was to J.R. Carey. You're the best friend I ever had, Bob. And the best brother. You want to go on back? No, I think I'll stay out here for a while. You take your time. Steve returns to Hollywood and beyond today to share even more Dallas memories. This includes the last episode of the original Dallas series, Conundrum, that aired on CBS. I guess you figured out by now he doesn't own this place. Well, what happened to him? He can barely walk. When Jason took over South Fork, Ray was out of a job. Tried rodeoing for a while. It's something to his back the doctors never could fix. So, uh, finding regular work's kind of hard for him, but he keeps trying. To Ray Krebs, the world's best husband and father. With love from your family. Happy birthday. I 
don't know why the good Lord blessed me the way he did. But I must be about the luckiest guy in this world. I love you. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday. Come on, let's go light all them candles before I start <laughs> crying or something. Funny, isn't it? The only one of the brothers that's happy is Ray. Doesn't have much, works his tail off. But he's got the family you always wanted and never had with all your money. I'm happy for him. Also, the 1998 reunion movie, Dallas, War of the Ewings. One of the most successful dramas in television history becomes a major television event. Welcome back to Southport. Dallas returns to prime time. JR is up to his old tricks again. Tell me something new. And this time it's war. Not over, JR. He must be squatting on your spurs, boy. It all began in 1978 when CBS introduced the man America loved to hate. I'll get you for this if it's the last thing I do. J.R. Ewing. We can work something no, out. No, we can't. For 14 seasons, America was captivated by the triumphs. Never be fooled when I'm down. And tragedies of the no! Ewing clan. I love you. Don't leave me, Bobby. But in 1980, it was the shot heard around the world. That had 90 million people wondering who shot J.R. I don't know how the hell I'm going to get out of this one. And tonight... Someone tried to kill J.R. It's not the first time. Someone's finally going to finish the job. That bomb was meant for me, so from now on, I play hardball. And everyone is a suspect. I'd have just take you apart. Because oil and family don't mix. I'm not talking about computer Not so far. Larry Hagman, Linda Gray, and Patrick Duffy. Normal, happy family. The War of the Ewings. What did I say? Enough. An all-new Dallas World Premiere movie, CBS Next. Steve might also have a few things to say about the other reunion movie he was a part of, 2004's The Return to South Fork. And finally, on to the continuation of Dallas over on TNT, beginning in 2012. It is a true honor to have Steve Canale back on the show. Steve, welcome back to Hollywood and Beyond, sir. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. Nice to be speaking with you. Nice to be speaking with you today. How have you been since you've been last on the show? Oh, you know, life goes on. Uh, I'm a grandfather. I've been waiting to see these grandkids for a few months now, so we'll see them soon. Uh, And I've been uh, sitting around this ranch that we have doing lots of gardening uh, in my spare time. (laughs) That uh, sounds fun. Yeah, things have been good here. It's currently going to be 90 degrees here in uh, Southern California today. Oh, wow. Well, I have to say, um, very generous of you to return to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, and I must say, it's also an honor as well. And uh, I really uh, am so excited to speak with you again today. You know, back on May 3rd, 1991, Steve, the two-hour series finale of Dallas aired on CBS. And this was season 14 and also the 356 episode. And just as a reminder to folks out there, a despondent J.R. Ewing, alone at an empty South Fork, rejected by son John Ross, and the one thing that probably hurt him the most, as you know, Steve, he lost Ewing oil. Perhaps that hurt the most. And then all of a sudden, an angel, or perhaps, I often tell people, a figment of his imagination due maybe from drinking heavily throughout the day, 
portrayed by Joel Gray, shows up to, 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 to show J.R. what life would have been like had he not been around. And this would include for Sue Ellen, Gary, Bobby, and your character, Ray Krebs. This is sort of like a, it's a wonderful life theme. So, Steve, I wanted to ask you, when the angel takes JR to Ray's home where he's surprised by a, a birthday celebration with cake, a wife and two sons, it was a very touching scene, a wonderful performance by you. And I just wanted to ask you if you had any memories of returning for this episode. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have to say the, uh, the phone rang and it was the producer, Leonard Katzman. And I had been off the show for a year or two at that point. And he says, um, we've got an episode, and I'd like you to do it. I hope you will. And I, and I said, uh, well, is this like the last episode? He said, no, I don't, we don't think so. And so that's how I entered the show. And um, it turned out that uh, they had written uh, a very touching kind of real uh, future uh, that Ray would have lived without J.R., and uh, that included a wife and children and uh, a nice house and a job, you know, kind of middle America, everything is good kind of lifestyle. And um, that, that, was, that was good. It was a, it was a good twist. And I, I liked the script. And uh, whether it was going to be the last one or not, I was not going to uh, say no. I mean, I was very interested in doing the episode. And you added so much with your return. And remember, Steve, you were sporting a mustache uh, at this time. <laughs> I, I, I didn't remember that. That's funny. So, you know, so life, life goes on. You know, things change. And uh, my wife doesn't let me have that mustache anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it was a pretty good look on you. It was, it was and different. I, wore it in a, I, I had a mustache in a lot of films that I did over the years. I see. So, you know, it, it, it kind of came and went. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you were a part of the what would turn out to be the final episode on CBS. And you know, Steve, I'm glad you shared that with me and the listeners because I also recall that feeling of maybe uncertainty of whether Dallas would return. And that gets tricky. You, you want to end things in case it doesn't, but you still want to leave that door open. And so I think they did a really good job by ending and this is not shocking is it steve with a cliffhanger of all things yeah, which right. I, I thought was the perfect uh, way to end this but what was it like to see larry well the whole thing about cliffhangers you know i uh, uh, i think it's really wonderful by the way that uh, you have we have all these dallas fans that are listening potentially right now and uh uh, you do a show for that many years and you, you put a lot into it and it really feels good to know that people really still enjoy it. And uh, I still hear from people all the time about the show. So hello to all you Dallas fans out there. Um, uh, people didn't know this, but uh, Larry Hagman and I were probably uh, neighbors at that point. I, we live in a small town that's near Santa Barbara in California, and he was about three miles from me. So I, I would see Larry often enough. Uh, but, uh, I only, you know, in the story, if you, if you watch it carefully, Ray will be around, uh, Jr. but he never really sees him because of the magic that, uh, uh, Joel Gray is making happen as he takes him for a view. That's very true. So it wasn't like you hadn't seen Larry in a long time. You were no. practically neighbors and, but it must yeah. have been fun to work with him again, I'm sure. 
Larry is always a pleasure to work with. He 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 he's um he's gone now, of course. Excuse me. I I think of him like he's still here because I I look up on this hill where I can see from my house, and that's where his house was. Um, you know, he was a pleasure on every set. He knew how to stay loose, and he could he could uh, keep the camera and the uh, the crew relaxed. And when it came time to deliver, he was a hundred percent almost every time. So. Uh, a real pleasure, always a real gentleman. Uh, people always love Larry. Well, he sure was one of a kind. There's no doubt about that. And and I really enjoyed that scene, Steve. You you gave a really uh, wonderful performance for the scene, and it was touching, like you mentioned. And and you're right, the characters didn't interact, of course, but it 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 was fun to see both of your characters actually in the same scene again despite the circumstances. And you know, Steve, yeah. uh, something that gets overlooked a little bit is the episode before that, the next to last episode. I'll never forget it, Steve, when at the end of the episode, after all the things happened I described, Larry is seen laying on his bed, and he pulls out Jock's gun, and he lays it on his chest, and the camera freezes. And you know what, uh, Steve? That has always stayed with me because the one thing about JR is he never gave up. But at that moment, I honestly wondered if he was. And I just wanted to kind of uh, bring that back to you and mention that again. Yeah, yeah. And that's where conundrum starts, right? He's walking out with a gun and a bottle Correct. by the pool. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, that was, a, that, was a, that was very good. And I don't know. That could have been what the last episode. It could have been. And this last one, conundrum, could have come at a little bit later date. Yes. Yes, you, you are know, correct. It, it, I don't think people really knew how the show was going to develop, if it's going to stay on for another year um, or not. Uh, we, you know, the show had such a such an incredible history, uh, and you just you just couldn't you just couldn't say. But you know, in the end, they decided to uh, let the show go. And let me ask you: Did you get to see Patrick during filming, or was he just not on set that day by chance? You know, I think we all saw each other enough to hug and uh, have lunch together, uh, you know, or something like that on the set. Uh, but our, our schedules were kind of separate. When it was Ray's turn to work, I was in another part of the Southern California, you know, where the where the tracks and the horses were and where the apartment was and so forth. So we were all scattered about. I see. Well, I'll tell you what, you sure helped make that uh, last episode extra uh, memorable, so thank you for that. And and you know what, uh, even though the, the series did get canceled, of course, guess what? You would be back on uh, Dallas again, Ray Krebs would be back uh, a few years later in 1998, Dallas War of the Ewings reunion movie. And uh, I have to tell you, I was so excited when I found out that your character was such a crucial part of the storyline because i really missed not seeing your character in the first one jr returns so i have to ask you when you got the uh call or the news that this was going to happen uh what was going through your mind at that moment i was at my home in Ohio and i took the phone call on a remote phone and um it's the agent they said they want you to be in the in the Dallas movie they're making, and uh, they made a very handsome offer. It starts in a couple of weeks. I said, I'm on. And uh, I just was so surprised and pleased, and my wife was there, and uh, it was just great to be able to uh, return to the show and work with uh, Patrick and Larry and 
be at South Fork and uh, they had all that, lots of energy and action in that show. Uh, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun episode to, to, to produce and be a part of. Well, no doubt about that. It was, it was really, in many ways, very old school at mo- at times during the movie. A lot of old school moments that take you back to the original series, for example. And just to set up uh, everything, you know, Ray returns to Dallas, unfortunately broke and about to lose his ranch in Switzerland, with where his wife Jenna resides. Bobby offers to help Ray, of course, but but Ray, no surprise, wants to figure it out on his own. And if we skip ahead, you, your character returns to South Fork to help Bobby with some rustlers. But you know what, Steve? I'm thinking of that entrance you had on War of the Ewings in the big bar brawl. And i tell you what. Now, talk about a moment back in time. It was like the good old days, the Ewing brothers smacking some people around. That was a lot of fun. That was, a, you know, Patrick and Larry and I were always pretty good with the physical stuff. Uh, like to do our own stunts when we could, especially the fights. Um, you know, of course, there's always really terrific stunt people involved that they'll take the serious falls and the serious hits. But, uh, you know, that was that was real fun. I think I just walked in sort of suddenly in the middle of this fight. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> yeah. But, and Bobby and, needed uh, the so help now, at that point. Yeah, now, now we've got the three of us, and uh, JR is hitting people over the head with his valise, and uh, it's pretty funny. And uh, we all have a, a big hug and a laugh afterwards, and uh, that's that was a good way to enter the show, that was for sure. <laughs> it sure was. That was a great entrance, because Dallas always had good... Uh good action scenes and, and at times would have big bar brawls and, and often your character or Patrick was involved. So that was a lot of fun. I have to say, we really look forward to those because, you know, there's just so many office scenes and, and bedroom scenes and dining room scenes. And every once in a while there's a, you know, horseback scene, but when you have a big brawl, that's really fun to work with the stuntman and work with each other and choreograph it. And, you know, it all happens quickly in film, but you'll spend a day, sometimes more than a day, just making this thing work. And wasn't it humorous to see uh, JR hiding during most of the fight? <laughs> <laughs> Letting you guys he do knew, the dirty work. Yeah, he knew how to, how to play that character. And uh, <laughs> it goes back to when he first took the job. He said, uh, how bad can I make this old boy? And he says, well, he's pretty much the villain, right? As we see it. And he said, well, I'll just be fine. I know just what to do. So <laughs> he went for it, and he, he, he would smile and turn the knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got that right. Well, you know, later on in the movie, Steve, there was also another intense scene, but this involved gunplay, mostly with rifles. I think one of the other wrestlers had a had a handgun, but that was also kind of a throwback scene. Uh, any memories from shooting that scene in particular? To answer your question, well, you know, that's, I was, I'm combat veteran. I, I really did handle a weapon, and uh, I really do know how to sneak up on people. <laughs> I bet, yes. Well, no wonder you did that scene so convincing. You, you, you know. Well, all, all of us rely on our own something every once in a while. You have to reach, but that wasn't too far back. And I also am a, um, you know, a gun enthusiast. I teach shooting. I have a, been a competitive shooter in my lifetime of uh, clay targets, the shotguns. 
So I have a lot of experience with, with uh, firearms. And as does Patrick, and uh, as did Larry, we all shared that same interest. And uh, many times we'd go uh, target shooting and or uh, hunting and things like that together. I see. And, and I remember back on your first visit with me, Steve, you shared a, a, all the uh, backstory of riding horses. And that was a very enjoyable moment for me. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, uh, no surprise, is it really, Steve, when you think about it? But it looks like good old JR is behind both the bar brawl and the rifle fight. <laughs> that he had paid these guys to do this. And I remember, even to this day, I remember going, why didn't I think of that? Like, he even caught the viewers off guard. Yeah, well, yeah sort of. Some people, you have to always expect that he would do that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, that was something else to find out he was behind that. And, and I wanted to ask you, was this mostly filmed in Dallas, in Texas? Yeah, let's see. I would say, oh, that whole, the whole project was filmed on location in Dallas. Yeah. That's what so I, I think we were. I think that was a two hour show. It so was. We, yes. were probably, we were probably on location 22 days, something like that. Uh, so back to Dallas, I have so many friends in Dallas. I, I, I go there often enough, uh, but able to visit and uh, have, have friends come out and visit on the set. Uh, they all enjoyed that. Uh, so it's been great to you know be back with our our Dallas crew for the most part. With a, a lot of the guys were the same the same men and women we worked with before over the years. So there's there's a lot of nice things about Dallas. That, uh, if it gets awful hot there. Yes, yes, I've heard about <laughs> that during filming. Uh, you guys had oh, some yeah. very hot days. Wow. Uh, we had a month where it didn't go below a hundred for on a 24 hour basis. Uh, so at midnight, it's 101 and, uh, for a whole month and it, and it reached 118 and we continued to work in those conditions outdoors. Wow. Well, true professionals, true professionals. <laughs> you, you guys were probably hoping you would be thrown in the pool at the, on during those days. Oh, we, we we saw a pool. We were going in it one way or the other. <laughs> there was usually somebody going in it. That's for sure. Yep. Especially if there's a wedding. When yes. everybody's in a tuxedo at the end of a long, hard, hot day, they don't care how much <laughs> the thing costs. They just jump in the pool. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, Steve. Uh, speaking of uh, filming in uh, the city of Dallas and in Texas and the surrounding area, of course. My thoughts are on South Fork, and I'd like to bring up that moment that, to me, personally, is really the most sentimental scene of the movie, and that involves you and Larry in particular, when your character is walking around and just taking all the, the view in, and I'm sure reflecting, and, and, you know, it was just a very moving moment just seeing that. And, and just shortly afterwards... Larry walks up to you, uh, and, and J.R. had just discovered that there was oil under your home near South Fork, uh, the, the property that, that, that Ray still owned. And, of course, Ray didn't know this. So J.R. wants to buy the ranch to help him out, and, of course, not telling him about the oil underneath. And your character says to uh, uh, J.R., you know, that will never happen. And at that moment, it was truly just like yesterday— Larry's eyes, you know, uh, got fixated and changed and his tone changed. And he said, well, my daddy was just too kind to turn his back on a little bastard like you. 
and you you say back, I ought to just tear you apart right now. And then that's when Patrick comes out. And, and what a moment. And I just wanted to ask you if you recall filming that scene and, and what that was like for you. Well, in the course of uh, all the years that I was on the show, I probably swore to tear him apart or actually tried to tear him apart a half a dozen times. So I had a lot of experience in that area. And uh, once again, those those kinds of moments are the ones that you hope for, that you don't get every episode. And uh, when, when they write for the character like that, it's just a real pleasure to go out and, and, and find those moments and, uh, and make it part of the show. Now, Steve, I'd like to get your opinion, unless you actually know for a fact. You know, my personal feeling was that maybe CBS was trying to revive Dallas to a certain extent. Uh, good ratings for JR Returns. And I'm just wondering, did you get the feeling that that was maybe the some of the motives behind CBS wanting to do these reunion movies? No, I didn't. Uh, I... I... You know, it's, it's the uh, the business aspect of producing the show for all the years and uh, all the the added cost and things that go on with uh, cast members. And, um, you know, they, it, to come back as a series, it just didn't seem like that was going to find any takers. I see. Um, I think I feel I feel they were very happy to do the movies uh, and uh, when they did three of them, I think, all together. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, it kind of leads to, uh, the, of course, you, you, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, the revamped version that was released. So um, it, it, it's amazing how much uh, people care about this show. And that you make a two-hour <laughs> movie or a revamp, people are going to watch it. Yes. And, and you, you know, Steve, I, I re, I'm thinking about the scenes you had with Patrick, for example, when your character was, was letting him know of his financial situation. And, you know, it was just like no time had passed at all. You, you were fully into the characters just like years before. The chemistry was there. And I just, um, I just have to say just how impressed I am with, with how talented all of you were and it's wonderful to have such chemistry with your coworkers. It was really magical. It was a, it was a gift. I was never on anybody else's television series as a guest that even came close to what we had on Dallas. Uh, Dallas company welcomed everybody when they came as a guest, all the crew. And, you know, it was just a very warm feeling and we were all very open and close to each other. Uh, from the very beginning. And uh, Larry was kind of the cheerleader. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people came from different aspects of their careers and all came together on this thing. And we, and we worked as a team to try and promote the show and do all the, the possible uh, air dates that were available for interviews. And, uh, you know, in the end, I think it added a lot to uh, the show's possibilities. And, uh, you know, finally it caught on. But, it was a slow start. We weren't a big hit from the very beginning. And it was, it was that early bonding, you know, that, that lasted. And uh, for Larry and Patrick and I, we had uh, so many things in common. And we were all married. We all had children. And uh, so many, a few things we didn't relate on, but <laughs> 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 mostly, all, mostly all positive things. 
Well, that's good. And, and you know, Larry seemed to have an extra pep in his step during that reunion movie. He really just seemed to be so full of energy. And, and um, you know, I mean, if ever an actor loved playing a character, I just think Larry and J.R. Ewing, I mean, what a combo. Yeah, you know, he, uh, forgive me if I've already told you this story, but uh, he, he, his father was a criminal attorney in Fort Worth, and he met and knew lots of guys that are kind of like J.R., and J.R. was sort of an amalgamation of many actual people that he saw in criminal trials that his father was representing. <laughs> so, oh, uh, wow. Was, uh, he, he, he brought a lot to the table, and of course yes. he was uh, uh, one of the real Texans in the story. There's a few, but, but he was one. And... Um, Susan Howard, that played my wife, was a real Texan, and there's a couple others. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this, and I thought I would ask, you know, you have scenes, of course, with Linda Gray. Had you seen her um, recently before War of the Ewings, or had this been the first time in several years? No, when I saw Linda, we hadn't seen each other in quite a while. But as I said, you know, years can go by, but it feels like it was only yesterday. Uh, yes. You know, I saw them all just... I saw Linda and Charlene and Patrick uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, every time we get together, it's just, it's like family. You're, sure. you're so close and, and uh, uh, it doesn't feel like all those years go by. Well, you know what, Steve, I thought of an interesting question here. <laughs> it literally just popped in my mind. And that is, you know, uh, Larry and Patrick were known for numerous practical jokes over the years. So my question to you is, did that happen at all during War of the Ewings? No jokes. No jokes. There was no jokes in War of the Ewings that I was aware of. Okay. Maybe, maybe there was some that I didn't see, but, uh, you know, that that's the way they like to uh, keep it loose, you know. Don't, sure. don't get too uptight. And, and the, the jokes were always, the company always put up with it, always rolled the camera, put it on film, and... Uh, <laughs> So. Well, you know, Steve, I'll share something with you I, I th think you might find enjoyable. And when that is when Deborah Trinelli was a guest, she told me that when the Ewing offices got updated later on in the series, there was a scene with Patrick and Larry where they're bickering at each other, going in the elevator, they hit the button, and the camera goes on Phyllis, and you can't see the elevator. But the door suddenly opens, and it's just down a little bit, the elevator, and they're on their knees, pretending that they're stuck, looking at her. And she just said that kind of stuff would happen all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, <laughs> they uh, they 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 create some very complicated uh, uh, scenarios. There was a there was a winter event uh, like the Rose Parade and the parade at the um, Cotton Bowl in Texas. And Patrick did the Rose Parade, and Larry did the Frozen Cotton Bowl. And uh, when we came back to work, uh, Larry's doing the scene. And from up top, one little flake of snow drifts down while he's doing the scene when we're filming. And he, he doesn't, he acts like he doesn't see it. And then, then another one. And then a, a few, a little handful. And then, then he starts to look and then they dump the whole box on top of it. So. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, wow. Isn't that something else? Wow. Thanks yeah, for sharing well, that. We had some fun on the show. And well, you know, you, you really do work. I don't know if people understand this or not, but 
it's really a big job. I would leave at five or six in the morning and get home at eight or nine at night many times. And especially if I was directing or I had a big part in an episode and it's day after day of that. And, uh, you know, you, you live there basically and you see your family in between. It takes a lot of uh, commitment and, and, and hard work and, and, and uh, uh, there's no doubt about that. So thank you for that reminder. Uh, a lot of effort goes into what viewers saw each week on Dallas. And, and before I get to the conclusion of War of the Ewing, Steve, I wanted to ask you, did you watch the show weekly at home on Friday nights? You know, technology was such that uh, VCRs were new. Uh, video recorders were, were, were new. Cable was new. Yes. Uh, I lived in. I lived in the mountains and had marginal reception on everything. Um, and, uh, you know, as the show went on, we got these things and, uh, you know, I finally got a cable or a satellite and, uh, you know, we had the ability to record shows. And, uh, but, you know, so much of the time you'd be traveling and, and, or, you know, doing something else on, on the broadcast night. But I, I did watch a lot of them in first run and, um, you know, there's certainly special ones and always the ones that I'm in. You have to see how that turned out, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you, sh- you sharing all of these memories and stories, Steve. And at the conclusion of the movie, you know, things turn out very favorably for your character, for Ray Krebs. And I was happy to see that. And Carter McKay offers to buy your ranch. He outbids JR for $50 million. And um, Bobby had already helped to take care of the uh, mortgage payment on the ranch. So, I mean, things are looking really bright for your character. And, you know, it made me uh, realize that I don't believe I asked you about what it was like to work um, with in scenes involving George Kennedy. So I just thought I'd ask you now, when you think back, what what was that like for you? You know, uh George was always sort of the, the Ewing family enemy, so that we would we would come across George in big banquet scenes or you know office scenes. I was not always involved, uh, but having George and actors of his stature on the show playing recurring roles, and even when they came on as guests, was one of the great advantages of, of being on a show for so many years. I mean, the the, the amount of talent that uh, crossed those steps. It, it's really a, a very long and, and wonderful list of actors that I, I thank so much for participating, not just the, the core group of the cast, but it's, and, and, and George was one of those kinds of guys, you know, and yes. seen him in so many things and he was so professional and he, he brought so much to the role. So it was just, I, I, probably, I probably never had another scene with him except that one to tell you the truth. Yeah, you didn't really encounter each other very much. No, no. Um, But you know what, Steve? You made me think of the fact, and you would know this better than anybody, that part of the success of Dallas wasn't just, of course, the core characters, but was this wonderful casting of not only extras for atmosphere, but supporting characters or guest stars. They all were really casted well and made a big impact on the show in the long run. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a... A, a good casting group of some in Dallas and, and one and also in Hollywood. Um, and they, the, we, we had a lot of wonderful actors um, come through over the 11 years that the show ran 12 years. And uh, 
you know, like for instance, one that really stands out in my mind is when Barbara decides she she's done enough and she wants to go back to New York and live a quiet life in the country. And so now they're stuck with with uh, finding a, a replacement actress, and they get Donna Reed. Oh my gosh! I got Howard Keel on the show and Donna Reed. Isn't that the greatest? Wow! And, I mean, so that is those, amazing. Those yes. She she did a really nice job, uh, you know, in the role of, of uh, Miss Ellie. She sure for, did for one season. I think that was the eighth year. She sure did, and 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 you know, I I enjoyed seeing her that year very much, and and you know, and like you said, working with Howard Keel, the both of them, wow, that is just very very exciting. And well, Steve, thank you for sharing your thoughts on War of the Ewings. If we fast forward, uh, well, goodness, all the way to 2004, I believe, there'd be another reunion movie, but this one was different. All uh, the, the, the main cast, so to speak, re- reunited. Even Victoria was back, and, and Charlene was there, and Ken. And you would all get paired off to discuss memories, and then they would show clips. I thought it was really sentimental and a lot of fun. There was even a blooper section. I don't know if you recall that, Steve. And yeah, uh, I remember some stuff with you and Patrick was very funny stuff. And but what was that like to do that reunion movie? Because I think that was a lot of fun. So Henry Winkler produced that. I think if that's the one we're talking about. Oh wow! And, um, we. Well, we all stayed at the luxury hotel. That was real fun. <laughs> and, uh, we we all got to go out and tell stories and be at South Fork, and uh, that was real fun. Yes. And be together, uh, you know. It was maybe we were on that show for about a week. Uh, it was just a really a great re. It was a real reunion for all of us, and yes. uh, they 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 treated us like royalty. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't hot. It was nice weather. I remember. And uh, so it couldn't have been any better. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I really enjoyed that. It was it was something that just warmed the heart if you're a Dallas fan. You, you just couldn't help but be moved and touched. And I really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, it, it was so exciting to see Victoria on it. And, and of course, Ken and, and Charlene. And I really enjoyed that. So thanks for sharing that. And now if we move on to TNT. And Dallas returning. I have to tell you, Steve, I'm sure you can imagine already, and I'm sure I speak for millions of people, but I was absolutely ecstatic that Dallas would be back. And I, and I wanted to ask, uh, what was it like to have appearances on the, uh, TNT's Dallas and, and any uh, stories you may have to tell about your time on that series? Well, when I heard they were doing a, a reboot, we'll call it a reboot of Dallas, uh, new producers, uh, I was pretty excited. I didn't know if they were going to call me or not. They asked me to, to come to a reading. And, uh, you know, I was in the very first episode that they did, but, you know, it was uh, just a sort of a little cameo appearance. And uh, sadly, uh, from my perspective, it was hard to get anything more than that uh, for the character of Ray Krebs. Uh, I think I appeared on the show three times and uh, without much of a storyline to, to build on. So it's, um, it was a different time, different producers, you know, a whole different cast, except I mean, of course, you know, Patrick and Linda were there, but um, you know, 
it, it, it ran for what, another two or three years. So yes. more power to him. There you go. Well, I have to say it was wonderful to see you. And if you don't mind me saying, you know, I, I sure wish I could have seen you a lot more. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, you know, there's a, there's an episode that I did on that show that is one that stands out in my mind that I'll never forget. Larry actually did die and they had to, uh, write him out in the story and they created an episode with, um, an outdoor grave ceremony that everybody, all the family members, I think about 12 of us, uh, participate in. And, uh, everybody's got about a page of dialogue. <laughs> so it's, uh, everybody goes up to the graveside and says words over JR's gravesite. And, uh, oh, it was so moving. And, uh, they wrote beautifully. And, uh, the, the cameras, they had four cameras rolling at one time. And, uh, we rehearsed uh, for a good amount of time. And then the idea was to shoot it from the beginning to end with, uh, no cuts. And then if we want to go back and do it again or do pickups, we can do that. So each actor goes, hits his marks, finds that emotional moment, says the dialogue and takes their seat as the next actor comes up. Well, all 12 of us did this. And it was wow. remarkable to watch. Yes. And I never saw one person make an error. And and the director said, cut. And it was, you, you could have heard a pin drop. And we were sitting outside. And it was, it was just, everybody was so on their game. And so it, and so it meant so much to be able to say goodbye to Larry. You know, even if it's in a, a television show, it, it was a way of doing that. And, uh, so I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. Well, I understand. And well, thank you for sharing that. And a very, very moving scene and emotional scene. And, and, you know, Steve, I don't mind saying this with you, uh, to you right now. You know, I found out about Larry's passing. It was late in the evening and my son was over. And uh, I sat down just momentarily and the CNN news ticker was showing, you know, on the bottom of the screen. And the TV, the TV was on mute. And all of a sudden, I see Larry Hagman has passed away. And I have to tell you, Steve, in about three seconds, the biggest tear, maybe as big as the size of Texas, because, I mean, it just felt like a big one. It just fell down my face. And, and I just realized how much, you know, his performance and character and, and all that just meant to me as a viewer. And I can just imagine how you felt, though, having worked with the man and being friends uh, so my heart goes out to you. I, I, I have no doubt that um, you have so many wonderful memories that you can keep close to you. And I do. Yeah. We, we, uh, Larry and I, and also Patrick many times, uh, lots of days fishing and um, lots of days um, uh, bird hunting and target shooting and uh, hanging out at the beach. Larry, Larry was a great one to throw a party. I don't know if people knew this about him. He, he had a big collection of hats and costumes, and he would, he, would, he would always be changing his hat and his costume throughout the party. And, and he did all kinds of On Sundays, he wouldn't talk at all. So, I mean, he was, he was one of the most colorful people you'll ever meet in your lifetime. And, uh, you know, there's a few people that didn't like Larry, but almost everybody else loved him. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, did you ever try to speak with him on a Sunday? I mean, before you realized just how serious he was about that? Did you ever have a reason? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick, 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 Larry, and I shared a big home uh, during the summer filming of the third season. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really understand what it meant until Sunday came <laughs> around. And then, you know, the phone rings. He's not going to pick it up. If somebody comes to the door, he's not going to talk to him. Uh, and if you want to tell him something, you know, we can talk kind of in sign language and until, until dusk, until the sun sets, and then you can talk again. <laughs> His idea was since we're actors and we're always talking, you got to like anybody else, you got to have a day off, a day of rest. <laughs> that is something else, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Steve, um, I really want to thank you for your return visit to the show. I did want to ask you, because I feel like you would probably know this. I had heard that Leonard Katzman and, and, and the creators behind the show would create like a Bible for the season where they had a beginning and an end, and then they would kind of just see what happens in the middle. Is that true for the most part, as far as storylines for a season go? Yes. In a sense, it is. Um, so th they do have a Bible for the season, but many times uh, that gets altered because, as you'll note, uh, we didn't, we never had a normal season. At, at one point, we were doing thirty-two shows a year. Yes, so, yes. Uh, they they couldn't, you know, they might write a Bible for a big part of the show. Uh, this is there's the, how these stories string together for the first twelve shows, but then after that, they've got to keep on going. Um, yeah, we do, they the uh, it's not something that as an actor you would ever see, but see. the producers and the writers they they kept that close to their chest and uh, they protected that information, and uh, rightfully so because that was part of the, the mystique of the show was what happens next. Well, Steve, thank you once again for such a, a wonderful second visit. Um, I mean, I, how how fortunate am I? So I just want to say thank you so much. Well, thank you, Stephen. And once again, I want to say thanks to all the, the really nice Dallas fans that have supported the, the show over all these years and still do. And I, I still hear from them. And, and uh, it's, it's very comforting to know that people really care that much about something that you put so much work into. You asked uh, some nice uh, pertinent uh, trigger questions that uh, let me go there. So thank you. Well, thank you very much, Steve. There's a part of me that's never going to leave here. Beyond podcast created, produced, and hosted by actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.